You're listening to a session of Come Celebrate, hosted by the Bay Christian Family Church. You know, I know I look like a young man, but I've been on this earth for a little bit of time now. Been able to see some decades. And, you know, something that I've been able to see and experience from the time of childhood up until now is it seems like the world is continuously trying to find new ways to edge God out, to get God out of things, to get morality out of things, to try to leave God out. And, you know, as I continue to study and understand culture, I think one thing is clear, is that I've been able to understand that I believe it's been because it's been about religion a lot for churches and not about the kingdom of God. And this place is different. I know you all get good kingdom teaching. You have a good grasp on the kingdom of God and your assignment. But it says in Psalms chapter 103 and verse 19 that the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Now, I'm glad that his kingdom rules over all because that means no matter if there's pandemics or floods or storms, right, or recessions or increases in gas prices and uh, inflation, no matter if any of that is happening, his kingdom still rules over all. Amen. So no matter what's going on in society or culture or, or, or the government or world governments or woke culture, doesn't matter. God's kingdom rules over all. And I believe that God is calling us to refocus our efforts in this season. I believe that my mission here this week with you all, I'm going to teach a two-part message for tonight and then tomorrow night on the kingdom of God. I want to teach on the government of God. And God spoke this to me as I was preparing, preparing this word as I was praying and getting ready. He said this, and I want to share it before I go to my first scripture. I've allowed the pandemic to create a platform. Now step up onto the platform and manifest the kingdom of God. But this next part really hit me. Solutions, solutions, solutions are being transferred from the spirit realm to this natural realm. And that's what we need right now. Solutions, kingdom solutions. The world may or may not know it, but their solutions are broken. Their ideas for how to solve things are not faring very well here in culture. I mean, you see everything that's happening and you say, God, where are you? And God is saying, I'm right here. Where are you? Because unless you're in the proper position, I can't work through you the right way. Do I have somebody in here who's ready to be used by God? I love what Apostle said. He used this word positioning. Positioning. And that's what it's all about the government of God. See, when we have a clear understanding of the kingdom, it not only helps us understand God, but it helps us understand our mission a little bit better. Let's go to our first scripture today in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Mm, That's her scripture. She said, "Uh, amen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. and, um, And you all can start that PowerPoint if you can for me. I have everything embedded in there. And so uh, you all can follow me real nice on that. Um, and, and I'll just, I'll 
read it as they're getting it ready. Jesus is teaching, and he says this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you, right? It says in the New Living Translation, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So the question is, why was Jesus so effective here on this earth? I believe it's because he understood the assignment. I'm going to say that again. He understood the assignment. Because when we misunderstand the assignment, we limit God's power to be used through us. John chapter 14, verse 12, it says that these things that he did, we can do and greater things because he goes to the who? To the Father. So this is the very nature of the kingdom. To thoroughly influence and saturate every environment on the earth. I'm going to say this again. To thoroughly influence and saturate every environment on the earth. So, as Apostle said, you know, my, my, my father, who was also my pastor, has been preaching the kingdom for a couple decades. And he wrote a book called The Kingdom of God and You. And I like what he said in it. And I wanted to read an excerpt before we start to accelerate. We're going to go to quite a bit of scriptures. We're going to cover quite a bit of territory. But, uh, but I believe that you're going to be blessed by it. He said this, when we limit the kingdom of God to inside the four walls of the church building, psychologically, the world becomes our adversary. Anyone outside the walls becomes the enemy. The devil intentionally planted the idea in our minds that the church is limited to a building because he doesn't want us out in the world. He wants us to be afraid of it. Strong words. So let's go all the way back to the beginning. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28 in the King James Version. Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. And this is when God was giving official instructions to Adam. This was what we call the dominion mandate. This is governmental communication from headquarters. And when he's speaking to Adam, you got to remember Adam is not a proper name like David or Nikki. It is actually, it's translated mankind or humankind. So when God speaks this, it's not just specific to Adam. It is to all of us. And it says, Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So when God blessed them, he wasn't just saying, Oh, I bless you like somebody sneezes and you say, God bless you. What he was doing was he was transferring power to them. He was giving them the empowerment to do what he's commanded them to do. To be fruitful, to multiply, to replenish the earth, and subdue it. So what does this dominion mean? And I like to think of it like this. Let's get a scenario. Let's say you have a tomato seed. And you plant that tomato seed. It grows up into a tomato plant. You have a tomato crop. And then you get tomato fruit from it, or, or vegetables, whichever you call it. And so you get that, and that's called being fruitful, right? Well, let's say you take those tomatoes, and inside of every tomato, it's more seeds. So you take those seeds, and you plant 10 more tomato seeds 
to grow up into tomato plants. So now you're multiplying, right? Whenever you're deciding to sow and give more seed, you're trying to multiply. So as you multiply, now you have a harvest of tomatoes. Well, now what do we do? Well, after we multiply, then let's say that where you live, maybe there's a shortage of tomatoes. Maybe there's some people who are in need of tomatoes. So you start giving out of your abundance, you start providing tomatoes for everybody in your subdivision, in your township, or wherever you might be. So people are glad about it. They're like, oh, thank you so much. But what you might not have realized is the next step is to subdue. And what is subdue? It means to conquer and to keep under demonic forces. But I like to think of it like this, to erase the effects that poverty and lack had on people. What if in your neighborhood, because there was a shortage of tomatoes, now they have a vitamin A and beta carotene deficiency and a vitamin C deficiency? What if there were some deficiencies that were hitting their body that were causing symptoms and causing their health to go down and it was causing an issue in the different families and with the different kids? And maybe you didn't know this, maybe you did know this, but as you started supplying tomatoes to them, that deficiency started to reverse. Your body started to heal itself. That deficiency was alleviated. Now you're talking about subduing. You're subduing how the curse has tried to work in the earth with the blessing. Now here's my point. When you do all of those, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth and subdue, you actually find yourself having dominion. Because after all that happens, now you have influence in that same neighborhood. Now you have influence in that same subdivision. Now people outside of your sphere of influence, maybe outside of your profession, government officials, school officials, business leaders, now they are coming to you asking what you think about their rulings or decisions or laws. And even though you're not in government, you've placed yourself in a position of influence to be able to influence the laws, policies, and procedures that are made. That's dominion. But it takes us being fruitful, multiplying, replenishing, and subduing. And that is exactly what Jesus came to show us. As a result of that process, they had influence. You can have influence. Let's go to the next scripture, Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23. I'm going to read out of the New Living, I'm sorry, New King James Version. And Jesus, so let's fast forward to Jesus. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the what? And healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Let's go to Luke chapter 4 and verse 43. Next slide, please. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. So not only in his hometown, not only in the synagogues, but he's going to go to the other places. He's going to go to Durban. He's going to go to Johannesburg. He's going to go to Pretoria. He's going to go to Port Elizabeth. He's going to go to all the other places and preach the same message. He didn't preach a different message. He preached the same message over and over and over again. I think he had a message to try to deliver to us. And I think sometimes if we read too fast, we miss this. 
that the kingdom of God was Jesus' message. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. Let's keep going. And it says this. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, I, you know, grew up in a pastoral household, much like the bag children here. You can understand and relate. And so growing up in a pastoral household, my, my parents were more so Pentecostal holiness. And so, you know, there was a big emphasis on holiness. And how many of you all know that God still wants us to be holy today, right? Amen. Holiness is still a thing, even in 2022. And so, but because of the culture I grew up in and, and the Pentecostal holiness movement, you know, it was sinful to get an ear piercing or sinful. It was looked at as sinful to maybe dye your hair purple or to get a tattoo. I mean, you'd be looked at as rebellious. Like We're going to bring you to the next prayer meeting. You're going to go right up into the front and we're going to lay hands on you because obviously the devil is influencing your decisions. And I think in our natural minds, that is what we have reduced repentance to. It's just some kind of exterior stuff and behavior. And true enough, repentance is important. Repentance is still proper, especially as all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But this word repent, it actually means something different than I think we think it means. This word is a Greek word, metaneo. And it actually comes from two words, meta, which means change afterward, and noeo, which means to perceive or think. But I like this definition. As you put it together, it says this. Jesus, as he's preaching, he's teaching disciples, he's teaching the people, he's teaching about the kingdom, and this is what he's saying. Come and join me in the way I think about things. Come and join me in the way I think about things, the way I perceive things, the way I understand things. This call to repentance is not just a call to change behavior. True enough, it is that, but it's a call to change the way we see, the way we perceive, the way we think. Jesus is saying, think about things the way I've been programmed to think about things according to heaven's perspective. Every obstacle is an opportunity for God's glory. So that's why he can get to the 5,000. And what did he say to Philip? He said, you feed them. Right? They said, where are we going to get enough bread? He said, you feed them. He wasn't thinking shortage because he knew that the kingdom he represents, there's always more than enough. I said, the kingdom that he represents... There's always more than enough. How many of you all know that there's always more than enough? Praise God. So let's keep going. Next slide. So it was hundreds, even thousands of years between the fall of Adam, when Adam and Eve sinned, and then the restoration of the kingdom of God or the birth of Jesus Christ. Why did God wait thousands of years to do this? Couldn't he have just loosed Jesus in the earth sooner, maybe a hundred years after, maybe 50 years after the fall of Adam. Why did it take so long? 
And I think we can understand this by going to one specific scripture in Genesis, uh, or sorry, Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4. Galatians 4 and 4, you can go to the next slide. It says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. What is the fullness of time? The fullness of time translates when all conditions were right. When conditions were right. So we ask the natural question, well, what are those conditions? Well, in order for proper communication to take place, we often have to have the right and proper concepts and understanding and the right terminology, right? So if I say the boot, I'm thinking this. If I go to South Africa and say the boot, put my bag in the boot, you think trunk. Now, we say trunk in America. Sounds weird to you all, I understand. You all say boot. Sounds weird to me because I look down. I said, my bag is not going to fit in here. When we don't have the right understanding of concepts, it will lead to a misconception or a misunderstanding. So let's rewind. So what are the proper conditions? Until this time, every government, pretty much in history, every major government, had operated the same way. They would conquer territories, they would kill off the strong men and soldiers, they would take the women and children back to that home territory. They would displace people. That is up until the Roman kingdom. The Byzantine Empire, Babylonian Empire, Persian Empire, they all did the same thing. But the Roman kingdom, they came and said, you know what, let's do something a little different. When we go and take over a place, a region, a territory, instead of bringing you to us, we're going to bring us to you. And so we're going to leave you in that territory and we're going to assign a governor to go and be planted there to teach you all the customs of Rome. And so now you'll behave like Romans, you'll speak Latin, you'll do things according to Roman customs, you'll pay taxes to Caesar. We know governments are always quick to get us to pay taxes. Nothing has changed. So all of these things started to happen, and it was a practice called colonization. And until that time, colonization wasn't a thing. But the reason why the Roman kingdom and empire grew so big was because they were practicing and tapping into something that they weren't even aware of was a kingdom of God principle. That's a kingdom of God principle to be able to advance and hold. Advance and hold. So now that the Roman government is in power, now when Jesus comes, he has something to be able to compare it to, which is the kingdom of God, and there's a proper concept. So now they'll start to understand these governmental concepts. So let's keep going. Next slide. What's the definition of the kingdom? I like what Dr. Monroe said. The governing authority and influence of a sovereign ruler who impacts his territory through his will, purpose, and intentions, which are manifested in the culture, lifestyle, and quality of a citizenry. So this is the kingdom. Now, 
these colonies were additional territories, right? And so let's go to our next uh, slide. Let's keep going. So what is the kingdom? It is the king's domain or the king's dominion. So the idea is that the king personally owns the country, him and his family. The more territory a king had, the more respect he commanded because the power was related to his territory. So that's why they were always trying to get more territory, get more territory. It was a power grab. They wanted to prove that their kingdom was the most dominant. Their kingship was the strongest. And so colonies were additional territories. So the more revelation you have about the kingdom, I believe, the better you can manifest it. So let's keep going. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. You can go to the next slide. I'm just laying some groundwork. We're going to move a little faster here in just a second. So now the prophet Isaiah, he starts talking about Jesus. And he says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be, say it loud, no end. end. Not in 1818, not in uh, 590, not in 2002, not in 2022. There shall be no end to the increase of his government. Now he's talking about Jesus. The government will be on his shoulders. He's called the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So who else are kings? We're kings too. But he is the king. We're lords too because we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That means what he owns, we own. That's good news. So let's keep going. So Jesus is born in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1. So Jesus is born, and now Herod the Great, who is the king of Judea, who was that presiding king over the Jews, he hears about this. And now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Now, why was he troubled? He was troubled because he just heard that another king was born in his jurisdiction. He didn't hear that a pastor was born. He didn't hear that a politician was born. He was only threatened because he heard a king was born, which means that a new government was about to try to press in. And the wise men, they came seeking for him. Now, I know in the greeting cards, we see three wise men, but the truth is there was a train of wise men. And as a matter of fact, in the scriptures, when it said they had gold, frankincense, and myrrh, that word, the Greek word used for gold, it isn't just like, oh, like one little gold bar. Oh, praise God. Thank you, son of God. No, no. It actually meant that there was plenty of gold. It actually translates literally many gifts of gold. So imagine you have somebody coming to you. You're the king of this territory or you're the governor territory. And then somebody's coming to you and you see these train of people even going outside of the palace, all carrying big, extravagant luxury gifts, talking about trying to give it to another king. 
And from that day forward, is, that's why they were intimidated. So what did he do? He said, well, let's kill all the kids and all the male children that are two and under so we can eliminate this threat. But of course, we know that it didn't work. When Jesus was born, it was the announcement that now it's time for divine restoration. That was the announcement. Now it's time for divine restoration. So let's go to the next slide. So where is the kingdom? And Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from here. We have a saying in the U.S., oh, she ain't from around here. You know, if she's acting a kind of way, he's acting a kind of way, maybe he doesn't understand the customs or how we do things here. Oh, oh, they're not from around here. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. You don't have to go searching. You don't even have to try to pull it up on Google Maps. My kingdom is not from here. You can't find it on a map. You actually have to cross realms. And so we see Jesus saying this, and then you can go to the next scripture in Luke chapter 17 and verse 20. So he answers their question. They're saying, well, okay, where is this kingdom? How do we get to it? Now when he asked, or was asked by the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, meaning you can't see it. It's not somewhere you go to. It's not a a, a pick and pay. It's not a Woolworths. Nor will they say, see here or see there. But what does he say? For indeed, the kingdom of God is where? Where is it? It's within you. So the kingdom of God is within you. What is the kingdom of God? It's God's divine way of operation. God's divine way of operation. You can go to the next slide. And so you think about, uh, let's say, your smartphone. So let's say, you know, if you have an iPhone or maybe some of you all have an Android. If so, we'll pray for you after service. Just kidding. Just kidding. Team iPhone. And so you have an iPhone. How many of you all know that the iPhone won't work unless you have the iOS operating system on it? If the operating system is corrupted or the operating system is not there, you'll just have an expensive paperweight. But with the operating system, then it gives you access to everything that it can do. What is happening is the kingdom of God is God's iOS. It's his operating system. It's his mode of operation. So if you want to get the most out of this experience here on earth, you want to get the most out of your relationship with God, you want to get the most out of having a a, a purpose called by God, It's according to understanding your mission and operating in the kingdom of God. All right. So let's keep going. Next slide. John chapter 3. So we see Nicodemus. And Nicodemus, they call him Nick at night because he came at night. And in John chapter 3, verse 3, Nicodemus asked an important question. He said, well, how do I get into the kingdom of God? Now that you told me what it is, where it is, it's in you. I mean, so how do I get into it? And Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, which any intelligent person would, how can a man be born when he is old? 
Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the what? The kingdom of God. So notice here that this is actually one of the few places, one of the only places that Jesus talks about salvation. But notice he only preached salvation to facilitate a kingdom message. He didn't preach salvation by itself. What did he say? He didn't just say repent. He said repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He said change your way you think about things because the kingdom of God is now here for you to enter into it. So what he's doing is he's going all around the circuit, teaching about the kingdom of God, helping people recalibrate their thinking because the thinking had been corrupted. The enemy has worked for years to corrupt our thinking and make us think that the kingdom of God is not something that is powerful or relevant or has answers or gives us access to wisdom and favor and health and blessing. He wants us to think that, oh, we just come to church, clap our hands, hear a good song. There's a good message by uh, Pastor Allen Bag, and then we go home back to regular normal lives. But according to Jesus' standard, he says, walk with me and think the way I think. Change the way you think. Because you can actually go to church services and still have broken, corrupted thinking. And you can live a broken and corrupted thinking life. Even going to church services. The enemy isn't scared about you coming to church. He's nervous that what's being preached in church will start to infect you and make you think differently. See, the salvation of our souls, that was Jesus' job. The salvation of our spirit. He sent his only begotten son so that we could be saved. But the management and the re-interior design of our thinking, that's our responsibility. That's not God's responsibility. It's our responsibility. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your So the only way you can live a transformed life in proportion to how your spirit has been transformed is to renew your thinking according to the kingdom of God system. And now the rubber meets the road. So salvation my friends, is just the start. Salvation was never the end goal. Salvation was only the start. Jesus came to fulfill the law and reintroduce the kingdom. Now, next slide. It says in John chapter 10 and verse 9, Jesus says this. He makes it clear. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, that's anybody. Doesn't matter if you're from Chicago or you're from Cape Town or you're from anywhere else. That's anyone. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's you. Turn to your other neighbor, the good looking one, say, that's you. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. He goes on in chapter 14, verse 6 to say, Jesus said to him, 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So let's take that literally as Jesus being the door. And let me give you an example. I like to give examples and illustrations to help us really paint the picture. Do I have anybody in here who's believing for a new house or a new residence? Amen. Praise God. I'm I'm believing with you. Okay. So let's think about it like this. Came all the way from Chicago. God spoke to my heart and he told me to bless you with a brand new six bedroom, four and a half bathroom, right on the beach, house, fully decorated, fully furnished, ultra modern. I mean, it's sleek, it's cool, it's, man, it's, it's that stuff you see on Instagram, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, it's that kind of stuff. And I say, I've got it ready and arranged for you. I'm coming to pick you up at your old residence. I'm going to take you to your new house. And I tell you, everything's been paid for. I even sent my assistant to go and to go to uh, pick and pay, and they got all the groceries for you. And they got all the things you need. They put it fully stocked in the kitchen. And so I pick you up. I'm telling you about it. I tell you that we've paid the taxes indefinitely. So for as long as you own the residence, we're going to pay the property taxes for you. I mean, this is a good deal for you. Say it's been paid for. So you get in the car with me and my wife. We're driving. We pull up. The gate opens. We drive up to the house. Come on, you got to see it. And you get out of the car and you're just in shock. You're like, oh my God, I can't believe it. God is good. And so you come and, you know, you go, you go up the steps and now we're at the front door. Double door. We stick in the key and you open it. Oh, it's majestic. Better than anything you could ever have imagined. You know, God can do that, right? I believe you're entering into the season where God is about to blow your mind with some of the stuff. He's about to blow past your natural expectations, which you thought was only possible. The limitations that people put on you, God is about to blow past that. This year, not next year, this year. I felt that rise in my spirit this year. Man, I see somebody just blasting through the limitating wall that the enemy has tried to put in front of you. And they won't be able to shut you up about how good God is. You won't tell them where you got it from. You say, the king has provided for his child. Oh, man. All right, we got to finish this up. Okay, so we get to the door. And you're standing there. Oh, you're taking it all in. You're saying, oh, Pastor David, Sister Nikki, I mean, this is, this is a great blessing. What can I ever do to repay you? We say, no, no, no. There's nothing you have to do. It's already been paid for. We're just doing this to be obedient. You owe us nothing. We may never see you again. And if we don't, God bless you. Enjoy. We'll take care of the bills. Here are the keys. You and your family continue to prosper. And so we stay with you for about 10 minutes and you're just rejoicing and thanking God. Just tears are coming down your eyes. And after about that, you know, we say, well, you know, we got some stuff to do. We're going to see the rest of Cape Town while we're here. We're going to go to Table Mountain. And so we leave. 
and you stay there for another hour, right there in the doorway, and you're crying and taking it in. Two hours later, you're still there. Starts to get dark. Nightfall comes. You're still there. Midnight comes. You start to get sleepy, so you decide to lay down on the porch right inside the doorway, but you're just still so thrilled about the house. Next morning comes. You arise to the birds chirping. The sky is clearer than it's ever been. You wake up, you stretch, you yawn. You're still standing in the doorway. But the house wasn't meant to be enjoyed from the doorway. The house was meant to be enjoyed by going into the house and enjoying the house. The doorway only facilitated what was in the house. Jesus said, I am the door, but don't stop here. Enter through me and receive the joys of the Lord. Receive everything I've died to provide. Healing, health, finances, favor, prosperity, promotion, wisdom, peace, joy, everything. That's in the house. But so many people, they stop after salvation. And they wonder why they don't feel like they're enjoying the house. Where are the benefits of being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven in my life? But God says, it's time to come on into the house. It's time to come on into my way of doing things. My way of thinking about things. My, my way of transforming your thinking. Let's wrap it up. My time is up. So what's in the house? It says in Revelation chapter 5, verse 12, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. You can go to that next slide. So what does that mean? Here's my point. God's plan of redemption was ultimately a plan for humanity to regain dominion. Amen. Salvation is the first step in restoring your dominion. But in order to properly take dominion, your thinking has to facilitate dominion-type behaviors. It has to facilitate dominion-believing. Dominion receiving. We have been put in a royal family and we have the position of kings and queens in this new government of God. And it says in my last scripture, Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, as Jesus is preaching about the kingdom of God, he says this, and I will give you the keys. Say keys. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Here's the translation. God will allow what you allow. God will allow what you allow. If you don't allow it, God won't allow it. If you allow it, God will allow it. People say, well, if, if God is so powerful and so almighty, then why is our earth in shambles. What's up wrong with our society? What's up with our government? You know, every country that I go to, they have one thing in common. They all believe that the government isn't doing enough to care for the needs of the poor. Here's what I found studying the Word of God. According to Genesis chapter 12 and verses 1 through 3, 
He's told Adam, or excuse me, Abraham. He told Abraham to be a blessing to all families of the earth. You know why the government does such a poor job taking care of the needs of the poor? They were never anointed for it. We were anointed for it. And when we don't understand our place in our dominion, we actually start to delegate out our responsibilities to other entities that are from a dark kingdom and don't have access to wisdom on a higher level. So they can only solve problems on the level that they are created. They can't pull down divine solutions that actually help to solve the problem and grow the country. That's why you've been placed here. And Jesus said, I'm here to give you the keys to this new government. And tomorrow, we're going to talk about what those keys are. Come on, stand to your feet. Let's thank God for the word. God has given you dominion. Say, I have dominion. Say, I have power. Because Christ lives in me. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word that has gone forth today. We thank you, Lord, that as you continue to help us understand our covenant rights and our assignment in the kingdom of God, that you will continue to speak to our hearts, that this word fell on good ground, Lord, and that we would see miracles upon miracles upon miracles, that I thank you that this week marks the transition point from us needing a miracle to us being the miracle as custodians in this earth. We thank you, Father, for it. We call it done right now. In Jesus' name, give some praise to God if you believe it. Amen. Thank you for listening to this session of Come Celebrate. We hope you enjoyed.